Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. On this first day of Women's History Month, a woman in Chicago is ringing it in on a somber note. Almost four years ago, Mary Lori Lightfoot became the first black woman and openly gay mayor of Chicago. And last night, she lost her reelection bid. To add fuel to the fire, she's the first sitting mayor in 40 years to not see a second term. Instead, former CPS CEO Paul Vallis and Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson are headed to the runoff election on April 4th. And at least 10 races for city council members are headed to the runoff elections as well next month. Votes are still being counted. And then there's the police district councils. Lots to talk about today, so I hope you're here for it. My colleague Tony Arnold is the government and politics editor here at WBEZ, and he's going to break down what happened yesterday. Tony, welcome to The Rundown. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me. So as I mentioned, Vallis and Johnson are advancing to the runoff next month. Vallis had 34 percent of the vote. Johnson only got 20 percent. What made Vallis so successful here? Well, 34 percent in a crowded race like this one with nine candidates is um, is a is a good accomplishment for for Vallis. And what made him successful here? is a combination of a few things. One is that he's not a new candidate. He has run for Illinois governor before, unsuccessfully, albeit, but uh, mm. he's he's a known entity from that. He's run for lieutenant governor, and he ran for mayor four years ago. Now, all of those were losing campaigns. What made this one different is a few things. One is that he was one of the he was the only white candidate on the ballot at this election. Huh. Um, and also, He consolidated a lot of support that he hasn't had in the past. One is from uh, the police union, but also business leaders, both of which gave him a lot more money than he's had to work with in the past uh, for his campaign. And two was just uh, the the support that you need to run a campaign like that and be successful. And he he stuck very strictly to... I'm going to improve the crime rate in the city. That message uh, seemed to have a, a resonate with the voters who turned out yesterday. Yeah, safety has been a big issue for uh, for voters. At least that's what we've been found, finding in our um, in our polls. So, um, in the last few weeks leading up to the election, Mayor Lori Lightfoot seemed to realize that Brandon Johnson was a real threat to her campaign. She started going after him, but he started off with really low name recognition. Do you think it was surprising at all for Johnson to make it to the runoff? I think uh, as the campaign went on, it became clear that Johnson was gaining traction with a lot of people who may not have known him before this campaign. Um, He comes from the ranks of the Chicago Teachers Union, um, he's not been on the Cook County board for very long, so it's not like he's had a, a, a big public persona in the city of Chicago, not in the way that Paul Vallis has mm-hmm. uh, with his resume. Yeah, There was a question uh, going into this campaign about whether the teachers union, which announced that they were supporting Johnson very early in the campaign, whether they would be able to do that because there were several progressive, quote unquote, progressive candidates on the ballot yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he got just enough to make it to the runoff. 
but it was a challenge for him to get there, and he didn't he didn't have that many more votes than the third place finisher Lori Lightfoot uh, in the scheme of things. So now the question becomes whether he can keep that momentum and and keep consolidating that progressive vote, and whether that would be enough to beat Paul Vallis here in the runoff election. Yeah. So back to Lightfoot, um, she. You know, as you said, she came in third. She couldn't quite get the support she needed um, to fight for a second term. What do you think made voters want to move on to other candidates? Well, Lightfoot took office with this message in 2019 that she's going to bring in the light, that she's going to clean up city government. You know, she had somebody who hadn't run for public office before. She was known mostly for being kind of this good government uh, watchdog for being uh, on the police accountability side of things. Yeah. And so as things went on, she, uh, her administration has had a few, uh, I'd say, stumbles along the way. Mm-hmm. One is how her administration handled the wrongful raid of a woman's house, uh, Anjanette Young, and what Lightfoot knew about the raid and when. Another was just over time, uh, she ran a very tough negotiation in a way that I think turned into uh, people not really liking the way that she was doing things. Mm -hmm. And as a result, all over time, she lost a lot of the endorsements that she had had in the 2019 campaign. Um, Instead, Lightfoot got a lot of her support from um, the black wards, majority black wards in the city. But that didn't turn into enough votes to make it to the runoff. Okay, so yeah, let's let's talk about voter turnout. Um, How many folks ended up casting their ballot in this election? That's a it's an interesting question. Um, It's it's more than a half million people, um, which is about on par with previous mayoral elections. But the votes are still coming in because a lot of people chose to at least apply for a vote by mail ballot this year, like way more than, than ever before. Yeah. And I, I think because there were so many people who either waited to the last minute or didn't know what they were going to do until it was decision time, <laughs> a lot of those ballots still haven't been turned in. And so we don't actually have a final number of how many people voted in this election yet. Yeah. Well, for what we have so far, um, there's been a little helpful map from the New York Times that shows who voted for whom and where, at least for the top three or four candidates. I wonder if you can orient us around that. Yeah. So picture the city of Chicago, north side, west side, south side. And Chicago is a racially segregated city. And so you can kind of get a sense, a broad stroke sense of how demographics voted based on um, the makeup of the city. Yeah. So uh, what we have here is that Paul Vallis, with, again, a third of the vote, he got most of his strongest support from the near north side of the city, which is majority white, yeah. but also the outskirts of the city where we know a lot of public employees uh, live, like police officers and firefighters. Oh, okay. And so on the far northwest side, the far southwest side, um, they really turned out for Paul Vallis. And they turned out in really big numbers. That's the other thing about this. Uh, You compare that to Lori Lightfoot. Now, she won a lot of the city geographically, but they are almost all in in black wards where just the numbers weren't that high compared to the turnout in the majority white wards. 
yards. And so Lightfoot came in third place. Now you look at Brandon Johnson, and you might look at the city of Chicago map here and say, well, he didn't seem to win very much. How did he get in second place? <laughs> yeah, I was noticing that too. Yeah, and so it, it comes to just turnout overall. And while he may not have won, gotten first place in, in the majority of wards, like Paul Vallis did or Lori Lightfoot, he got so much votes in second place um, in a lot of these wards that that was enough to handily beat Lightfoot. And then um, it's it's worth mentioning here that the majority of the Latino vote in Chicago, again, based on the geography of the city, that turned out for uh, Congressman Jesus Chuy Garcia. He came in fourth place, mm. um, but uh, it wasn't anywhere near uh, what Brandon Johnson had as second. Interesting. Okay, so enough about the mayor for now. Um, there were other races, <laughs> other things that we saw on the ballot um, yesterday and in the weeks leading up to the election. Um, very contentious, aldermanic races. And then there's this historic election for police district councils. Where do things stand right now with the ward races? What we have right now with what the makeup of the city council is going to look like is that it was a good night for incumbent Alderman, unlike for mayor. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of people who already are aldermen won their reelection bid. Okay. That said, several aldermen who are currently on the city council or won election in 2019 didn't run for reelection. A lot of people left. There was an exodus of, yeah. of aldermen who said, for one reason or another, you know what? I don't want to do this again. Uh-huh. So that said, there are now going to be some runoff elections, and the count right now is around 14 wards, um, which is a good number of, of seats on the city council, which means that there's a kind of overarching question of how progressive is the city council going to be, regardless of who the mayor is. Um, and we've seen uh, progressives or the, the teachers union here have a lot of success at electing aldermen. So as these uh, races head to the runoff, it's going to be interesting to see how much this teachers union who has a candidate in the mayor's race Uh wants to devote their resources to helping elect some city council members to make sure that the city council is also going to be basically serving their interests. Um, And the same could be said for the police union, who's also been getting more politically active in recent years. Um, they have their candidate in Paul Vallis, but they've also been getting involved in aldermanic races. So, again, the question is, like, how much are these two diametrically opposed unions, <laughs> uh, public yeah. employee unions, going to go at it through these aldermanic races to for the makeup of the city council in addition to the mayor's race? Wow, that's um, that's so interesting. I'm going to ask you about, yeah, this disparate kind of candidates and then backing um, that that we have in, in a minute here. But, yeah, I do want to get into the police district councils. Um, what are we seeing there? This is a new position. Um, the city residents have never had to vote for a police district council before. It was newly created to be essentially a bridge between the communities and the police department. Um, yeah. And it's three three members from each police district in the city. And I think most people can be forgiven if they don't know which police district they live in. Uh, a lot of the... <laughs> no, nah, because we told them. We got it on our website. They should have went on there to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, go to WBEZ.org. Uh, 
so a lot of these candidates are first-time candidates. It's not like they've had a history in politics. Uh, and I think it's still to be determined what this role really is, how yeah. effective they are, how influential they are. I will say that, the again, the Chicago Police Union did put up some candidates and did support some candidates. Mm. And so I think that what the union's trying to do is just try to control its own fate a little bit uh, by trying to elect their own people to these positions. Um, because it's, it's essentially another layer of police accountability that's been added. And so it's another way for them to um, try to limit, essentially, how much how much influence these seats have on them. Yeah. And it was all kinds of people running also. I mean, it's like lawyers and educators and lawyers po- and police reformers along with police union people. It was it, you had a whole. Uh, it ran the whole gamut of the type of types of people who ran for this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So looking ahead at the next few weeks um, for the runoff elections, particularly with the mayoral race, there's Paul Vallis, Brandon Johnson, two very different candidates. Um, Vallis, technically a Democrat, but he's giving very much Republican vibes. Um, and he's backed, as you said, by Chicago's largest police union. And then Johnson is backed by the teachers union. He's considered a progressive when we think about voting numbers, geography, campaigning, what are you expecting that we'll see in the next month um, leading up to the runoff election? I'm expecting to see one of the ugliest campaigns for mayor, period. Wow. <laughs> uh, th- these two candidates, Johnson and, and Vallis, are just diametrically opposed on about every policy issue you can you can imagine. Um, Vallis, his background is in managing schools. Johnson comes from the teachers union there right there shows you just you know they're on opposite sides of the negotiating table yeah uh Vallis uses language that's pro-police i'm going to make chicago the safest city in the country uh johnson has said that defunding the police is a political goal now he, he ran away from that language during this campaign i don't know if he brings that back for this runoff election Vallis. He's very wonky. He's detailed. He's not really that charismatic, frankly. Johnson is full of charisma and rhetoric and rah, rah, let's go. Let's go win this thing. Um, And so voters have a very stark difference. What I would say about the next five weeks is that while Vallis got 34% of the vote in this election and Johnson got 20, you have to kind of... Start from scratch. This is a brand new election that's going to play out over the next five weeks. And the majority of people did not vote for Vallis or Johnson. They went Lightfoot, Garcia, someone else altogether. And so there's a whole new voting block that's up for grabs for these two people. And people are going to have to make a decision. I was going through, again, the numbers this morning. And Vallis, keep in mind, he had very high voter turnout. Now, you know, he might not have won that much of the city, but just the numbers were, the sheer numbers were huge. Mm -hmm. And so Johnson has to, has to kind of figure out how am I going to win over those people who went for Lightfoot? How am I going to win over the people that went for Garcia Um, to, to eat into that lead that, that Vallis has. Uh, It's going to be an interesting race to watch simply because they're so diametrically opposed from each other. Yeah, it is going to be really interesting. I'm excited to to check it out uh, for better or for worse. Um, so it's only day one of this new election season, as you called it. But do you have a sense of how the candidates are approaching their messaging so far? Yeah. So if you look at just the speeches from last night, 
and how Vallis and Johnson looked ahead to the next five weeks for their supporters. Vallis took the tone of, I'm not even going to talk about anyone else. And he stuck to his script about, like, I'm going to make Chicago safe. We're going to work on crime. Crime's a big issue. And to me, that seemed like a very tactical move where it's kind of like, don't worry about my anyone else. We're just here to talk about crime and what's important to you guys, the mm. voters. Johnson, on the other hand, he took several minutes of his campaign speech to just lay into Vallis and talk about Vallis's history of running schools, not just in Chicago, but around the country. His history of um, comments that he made, uh, what you alluded to about, you know, being supporting Republicans in the past. Uh, and so there's... There's going to be the attacks are going to be laid bare on Vallis. What I'm going to be watching for is how much Vallis ends up bringing in some of this, uh, any kind of attacks on mm. Johnson to eat into um, any kind of potential votes that Johnson could be getting. And so uh, while Vallis might last night just want to talk about the issues, um, I think his campaign's going to have to do something here to show how different. He is from Johnson. And whether that's an attack or just sticking to the issues, it's going to be a strategic choice on his part. Tony Arnold is the government and politics editor here at WBEZ. Tony, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. We have covered a lot here, but we've got at least another month or so before we'll be at the polls once again. More to discuss soon, so listen out for more election talk and updates at WBEZ.org. And that's it for The Rundown today. Thanks to Justin Bull and Sam Deer for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. This episode was engineered by Haley Bloomquist. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. Other music on the show is from Audio Network. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.